Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvik, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about the Doddleston messages. Don't worry, you'll find out. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right, shout-outs going out to all the patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for even more Paranormal Almanac. Shout-outs to patrons Gary Tracy, Matthew Sandy, Kelly, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic Robot Webcomic, Lionel, Sandy, Page, Kosh, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties. I like that. Elizabeth, Void Tech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Jen, Alexandra, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Carrie, Ezrum. Robin, Will, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, the Sean Bishop, Stacy, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scoston, Lindsay, Megan, Matt, Amy, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, the Lawrence Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura, Pitts, and Gamer Fan with two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and a Stitch. All right, you can head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash Paranormal Almanac or just search for Paranormal Almanac on their site for all your merch needs. There's a ton of new stuff out there. There's two 200th episode styles that haven't been added yet. Don't, don't look for them yet, but they're coming very soon because we're within 20 episodes of the ginormous, stupendous extravaganza of the 200th episode. That's right, the 200th episode. I said at the 100th episode when I did two-hour episode, I was like, I'm going to double it for the 200th episode, thinking, well, future Kurt has to worry about that. Well, future Kurt here, I am worried about that. So there's going to be a lot going on in the 200th episode, including something that I just announced on the Facebook pages today, the Paranormal Almanac fan page and the regular Paranormal Almanac Facebook page that I went to, I did this thing that I, I, it's just so dumb that I was like, well, I got to do it. I got to do it for the show. And then I'm like, oh, I'll do it for the 200th episode. It'll be announced or it'll be, uh, you know, realized then, however you want to word it. But basically I went to this thing called Melissa Psychic on Facebook. There's always these stupid ads where this like woman standing next to this guy and then the next picture is like a drawing of the guy. And she's like, this is going to be so weird. I ordered a soulmate drawing from M- Melissa Psychic. And look, I met this guy out of nowhere. And it's the exact drawing of this guy that she's with. So I was like, oh, this should be fun. So I ordered a psychic soulmate drawing. And on the, on the 200th episode, I will reveal the results to all social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and and Patreon, don't worry. Patrons, you're not going to be out. I know because a lot of patrons are like, look, I don't like any of the social media. I don't either. You're 100% right. You you shouldn't like it. But they're like, so can you start putting shit on Patreon? Yep, 
I sure will, on the 200th episode, I will reveal the results of my psychic soulmate drawing. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. But let's get right on into paranormal news because I've got a very special paranormal news episode for you as well. All right, the first story in paranormal news, this isn't the very special part of the paranormal news, but it is to me because it's about Nessie. The first story in paranormal news. Privileged to have witnessed it. The Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, sighting stuns Highland residents of 30 years. That's right, Nessie has been spotted for a third time this year by Glenn Blevins, who's lived in the area for 30 years. Says he was privileged to have witnessed a large animate object in the water near the castle on April 15th. The official Loch Ness Monster sighting register confirmed it was the third sighting of Nessie this year. Mr. Blevins, who's lived in the area for 30 years, said, I'm not going to do the accent, I was near the castle on April 15th working on the banks of the lock when I saw a large animate object in the water between both banks of the lock at approximately 9.30 in the morning. It was dark in color and stayed there for around 20 seconds before sinking into the water. I watched it with binoculars that I had taken with me in the hopes of seeing ospreys and had recently returned that had recently returned to the area. It was difficult to estimate the size, but it was definitely larger than a seal, and given the angle, there may have been two, one behind the other. Mr. Blevin explained that he worked regularly around the lock during that time and fished many times on Loch Ness. He said he'd never seen anything like this before. He felt privileged to have witnessed it. Uh, that's about it. That's all we need for this story. I'm going to keep on moving on because there's a very special paranormal news coming up in just a second. Up next in paranormal news, U.S. government report proposed proposed nuking the moon by uh, from newly released documents. The agency was funded funding secret research. The U.S. government's now defunct ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat, Aerospace Threat Identification Program, spent millions of taxpayer dollars to re- research bizarre exper- experimental. Oh, Kurt, come on! Technology such as invisibility cloaks, anti gravity devices. Transverse, tra- traversable, traversable wormholes, and a proposal to tunnel through the moon with nuclear explosives, ex- according to dozens of documents obtained by Voice, uh, Vice.com. I swear it's going to get better. This episode's going to get better. I'm just getting into the swing of things. The documents, which include nearly 1,600 pages of reports, proposals, contracts, and meeting notes, reveal some of the stranger priorities of ATIP, a secretive depart- Department of Defense program that ran from 2007 to 2012 but only became known to the public in 2017. Let's see. The new documents suggest that ATIP was up to more than just investigating UFOs, though. The entire cache of 51 documents obtained by Vice via a Freedom of Information Act filed four years ago can be read here. Perhaps the most intriguing among the documents are several dozen Defense Intelligence Research Documents or Reference Documents which discussed the viability of various advanced technologies. This collection included reports on traversable wormholes, stargates, and negative energy. That's really interesting because the rest of the stuff that's on this list 
if you think about it, the stuff that I read earlier, hold on, let me scroll up here. Uh, but um, in, invisibility cloaks, we know those are real. And if you don't know those are real, guess what? Those are real. You can Google it. You can do it. There's even like a Kickstarter or something where you can buy one. And that's just the stuff that's like been released to the public. Can you imagine the shit that the secret government, the, the stuff the government's had secretly for years? It's going to be way beyond that technology. Um, anti-gravity devices. They've been talking about that forever as well. Wormholes. I guarantee you they've been talking about wormholes um, around the, the Large Hydrant or Hadron Collider or whatever it's called. But still, stargates, traversable wormholes, negative energy, high-frequency gravitational wave communications, warp drive, dark energy again, and the manipulation of extra dimensions. The manipulation of extra dimensions. That's some crazy shit. They're saying that the government put real money into these Guarantee this Kurt here. This is Kurt guarantee. I'll give you the Kurt guarantee. Guarantee you they got something out of this. The manipulation of extra dimensions. This stuff was like crazy science fiction, but nope, being worked on. Uh, let's see. They said the report on invisibility cloak. Perfect cloaking devices are impossible because they require materials where the speed of light approaches infinity. However, cloaking devices that make objects invisible to microwave-based sensors such as radars and motion detectors are definitely within the reach of present technology. But guess what? Again, there's like a Kickstarter right now for an invisibility cloak. It's not science fiction. It's science fact. They said that um, negative mass propulsion to look for extremely lightweight metals in the center of the moon that may be 100,000 times lighter than steel but still have the strength of steel. To reach the center of the moon, they said blasting a tunnel through the lunar crust and mantle using thermonuclear devices. Uh, that's insane. Am I saying that they, they secretly, the government secretly nuked the moon? I, I don't think so. But why would they even think of that? Why would they even bring up these materials? Why? Because if you read any of the stuff about the UFO documents that were released, the disclosure documents, if you will, they talk about having metamaterials not of this earth, not man-made of this earth, i.e. extraterrestrial vehicle materials. They already know this shit exists. All right, the next one in paranormal news, crowd control heat among weapons, U.S. government's UFO research proposed by documents. Uh, so basically, it's just a continuation of that A-tip one. There's going to be some more crazy stuff like high-energy laser weapons. Um yeah, no, there's a bunch of weird shit. That that stuff that you thought was only sci-fi, you only see in Star Wars or Star Trek. Well, guess what? It's probably real. Speed of light energy. Yeah, all that crap was probably real. And uh, it's probably going to kill us. Okay, with that, I want to get right on in. Because a couple of weeks ago, I did an art or I did a news story about um, some kids. I'll say kids. That's, that's kind of mean. Some students that had started a Trent University Sasquatch Society. And I put on that episode, I was like, yeah, I want to talk to you. If you're, you know, if you hear this, I want to talk to you. Well, they didn't hear it because they're not fans, but you know, they will be now. But uh, a fan heard it and was like, hey, this guy's doing a podcast about you and he wants to talk to you. And thankfully, they reached out to me and I just had the best conversation with Ryan, Nick, and Allison of the, uh, the Trent Sasquatch Society. They're a cool school up in Ontario at Trent University. 
They have a, over 140. Well, you know what? Why am I telling you about it? Let's just jump right in now to a paranormal news follow-up interview with three members of the Trent University Sasquatch Society. I'm just going to kind of jump into the uh, to the interview, but who am I speaking with? Uh, so uh, I'm Ryan, uh, president and founder of the Trent Sasquatch Society. Yep. Um, I'm with- Allison over here. I- I'm one of the social media coordinators. Hi, Allison. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, and I'm Nick. I'm, I'm just an executive at the moment. Dude, that's awesome. Hi, Nick. How's it going, man? Not too bad yourself. Good, good. Yeah. Is that it? Is that everybody? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's just three No, no. That's Are you kidding? That's amazing. I, I just thought it was just going to be me and Ryan. So that's cool. I thought I was just going to have to speak to the president. I didn't get. I didn't know I was going to speak to more. I love this. All right. Yeah, we, no, you got the half, half the executive team. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's an important podcast. I'm glad that half the executive team are here for me. So it should be the whole team, but that's okay. I'll let it go. But no, this is awesome. Are you kidding? All right. First of all, how did you guys find out that I was talking about you? Um, someone messaged us on uh, our Instagram page saying that they were talking about you on this podcast and, uh, they yes. said, you know, uh, it sounded like they wanted to have you on. And, uh, so we thought we'd, uh, get in touch and see, uh, yeah, see if you wanted to do do an interview. I'm so happy that you reached out. I really am. I'm sorry that it took a couple of uh, you know times to get it the the timing right, but uh, I'm so oh, happy yeah, that you it. reached out because I this is the this is a a club a society society's a better term. This is a society that I would have been in if I was in school right now. So I'm ecstatic that somebody's doing this because like there's like what one you guys are one of two that are doing that. Is that right? Yeah, apparently there's one in I think Virginia or some somewhere down in the states. Yeah, but uh, I think it's just that like we're the only two schools right now. But um, I think I think there might be some other schools in Ontario that because of us are going to start their own chapters, kind of under our directive. Actually, wait, is that right? Is there you guys are like spawning more groups? Well, yeah, I've had uh, I've had some people at other schools uh, say that uh, you know they're interested in doing something. So that's so we'll awesome. see, we'll see if they can all get it together. But yeah, they've you know reached out. So now if they if they become a member of the society, are they under you? Are they their own entity? How's that work? Uh, you know, I guess they'd be their own entity technically, but they, like they said, they'd like to work with us, you know, in our resources and everything. Cause well, we've, you know, we've compiled a lot of contacts and stuff like that and researchers. So, well, that's so, what I was going to say. Let, let me, let me talk to you about that. Tell, how, tell me about, tell me about how you've, how you evolved, where you came from. Like where, let's start with where you started. How, how did it get started? Who started it? Was it you? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, so in our, our first year uh, at Trent here, um, you know, I, I had an interest in it. I was talking with one of my other friends and he's like, oh, I have a big interest in it too. One of the executives that isn't here. And um, yeah, so so we, uh, you know, we put a message in our uh, university group. I guess like most of the school can see it. Um, yeah, there's like a Facebook group. And we put a message in there asking if like anyone would want to come out on like a you know like a night investigation like in the woods near the school uh you know of course you didn't find anything right beside the school but uh a lot of uh we had like probably like 10 people showed up and then on top of that there were friends we brought so really you know, we had a, a whole group that way yeah and made uh yeah we're still we're still all friends and hang out all the time and uh oh, that's cool and, well yeah and they're all in the club obviously too but um yeah so we kind of started that way in first year and then uh you know, and then eventually the pandemic hit in our second year. And then, um, you know, through the pandemic, we, we decided, you know, we'll do all the paperwork and we became an actual club. So now we're in our fourth year and, uh, yeah, all the pieces are in place and it's been really great. So 
you guys have become kind of known. You you you've already talked to other people from like the Bigfoot. Uh, what is it? The BFRO. So you you actually oh, yeah. you do have the contacts. What have you found from as the group is growing, as the society is growing? What have you found? You know, for as far as Sasquatch, you've are you more convinced? Are you less convinced? Like, give me some evidence. Give me some what you found. Yeah, no, we're we're definitely much much more convinced. Like the the speakers we have out every week are amazing, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've, uh, you know, obviously you've heard of the BFRO and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah so we've had, uh, we've talked to Matt a few times. Uh, we've talked to Cliff. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, no, it's great. And like, you know, so many others. I don't know if you're, you've ever heard of Todd Standing. We were talking with him oh, this sure. week, actually. Uh, you know, Dr. Jeff Meldrum and so, so many oh, others. Yeah. 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 You know who's, you know who's really approachable. I don't know if you've reached out. Is Bryce Johnson from Expedition Sasquatch or Expedition Bigfoot, uh, the TV show? He's very approachable. He's a great guy. I've met him a number of times, and he is the nicest guy. You might want to reach out to him as well. We, we've tried to reach uh, out. I think we tried through social media. We haven't heard anything back yet. But oh. if you have, if you have their emails or something, if you'd be able to send them, we definitely would love to. I'll uh, I'll reach out to Bryce. I'll let him know that that you guys are trying to reach out to him. You know, put you on his radar. Um, but yeah, 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 that that that's the way that you do it. It's all connections. It's one connection to the next to the next, and and hopefully. You know, not to toot my own horn, this is a top 100 podcast. Hopefully, you guys can actually get some connections from this as well. So, wait, actually, that's a good, it's a good segue. So, if anybody wants to reach out to you with either, you know, Bigfoot stories or sightings or locations, or if they work in, in, a, in a connection to Bigfoot, how could they reach out to you? Let's throw it here instead of waiting until the end. That's a, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we have an email. Uh, I think the email is just, is it sat what is it sasquatch society <laughs> at trentu.ca i think i'm pretty sure it's just sasquatch society at trentu.ca yeah all right if if it turns out it's not just let me know we'll can throw yeah. it in or whatever but we got time yeah. and i think i think our yeah our what's it instagram instagram probably, is at trent sasquatch yeah trent sasquatch perfect yeah it's pretty, yeah it's pretty simple usually if you just type in like trent sasquatch society in the twitter instagram or facebook like i'm sure we'll come up you know there you but go. yeah we're super easy to get in touch with and if you're you know in the bigfoot community or or uh yeah just you know have have an interest have had an encounter or uh you know even media to help get the word out about all the you know all the work we're doing that like you know anything just reach out we're super easy to get in touch with uh, and we'd love to hear from you so I, I highly recommend it. And I'm going to, like I said, I'll pimp it out later in the podcast as well. But I really hope that people reach out to you because of this podcast and let them know you heard it on Paranormal Almanac. Like, give me a plug to them so they know where you're coming from. But, but you know, you guys are doing, like I said, what I would have been doing if it was a thing back when I was in school. And it makes me mad it wasn't a thing. Now, when you started, did you did people like think, oh, this is a joke and it's kind of kind of fizzle out right away? Or were people like, yes, this is what I want. And we're immediately on board. I think it was a big mix. Like at the at the start of our year, we had um, it's called like clubs and groups day and just all the clubs go out and, you know, just talk to people. Everyone kind of go around, see what all the clubs are about. But uh, yeah, so we we had so many people, you know, come by the booth and, uh, you know, a lot of them came up. They're like, oh, like, is this serious? Is this a joke? And we're like, oh, no, like, we're actually, we're actually like, you know, we do research and like, you know, it's a, it's a serious club. And uh, so I think a lot of people, you know, I'm sure some thought like, oh, it's funny. I'll, why don't, why not? You know, and then sure. I think a lot of others did have like a real interest and wanted to see what we, you know, had to offer and what we could teach them. Look, and, I, then, and then there's a lot of members that, uh, you know, have actually, you know, you can tell they do like readings and stuff in their, in their off time. Like they'll come with great questions. 
Oh, that's cool. So, all right. So there, yeah. there's, there's people that are actually trying to elevate this. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I, like there's questions I wouldn't even have thought of. Yeah. I love that. Now, are you using, what tools are you using to try and, and find Bigfoot besides like the, you know, the knocking on the tree, I'm assuming you're doing the calls or have calls or the whistles or whatever. What are you using to try and find Sasquatch? Uh, we don't go, like we do go out on night expeditions and things like that. Probably maybe, you know, once, twice a month type of thing. Like when, when we can, like, obviously we have a lot of homework, but, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we usually don't take the, the club out as a whole though. We, like there's some liability issues, so it's tougher too, but we try to really emphasize the education side of, you know, teaching them how to do that on their own. I like that. Yeah. Cause you know, where we are, I don't know if you're too familiar with, you know, spots in Ontario We're in like Southern oh, yeah. Ontario, it's not very, it's all like farmland really. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's not the best place that you like, if you were to go out and look, but it's really not, oh, I was checking. I was like, I wonder if there's a large Sasquatch sighting in Ontario and there's really not, but I mean, I've done numerous episodes about Canadian Sasquatch uh, sightings and encounters throughout history. And there's a ton of them up there. Oh yeah. No, there's, there's lots that come out of Ontario, obviously not as many as out West, but uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a presence here. And, you know, so we do go out and look when we can, but you know, we haven't had anything yet right in a little area, but we're just in Peterborough, Ontario. So it's not really the best spot, but I have heard of some encounters actually near, not too far away. I see. There you go. I mean, they seem to be everywhere. And as, as man's encroaching on their environment, it's only going to be more and more. So there's more, more encounters to be had. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast and it's okay if you don't, it's fine. But there's two things that I always say. I think that science is going to prove the paranormal and I include Sasquatch in that aspect. But I also say don't effing shoot Bigfoot because there's too many stories of people like seeing Bigfoot and immediately shooting at them. What's your impression on science proving Bigfoot? Do you think it's going to happen in our lifetime? Do you think it's ever going to happen? I'll put it that way. Uh, I think it'll happen and I think it'll happen soon. Really? It's kind of like the UFO disclosure. It's going to happen soon. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the UFO disclosure was just like what last year, I think, you know, yeah, yeah, I might, I might be wrong, but I mean, you know, so many people go UFOs like that's funny, but then now the government's releasing, you know, evidence and video, like, you know, and admitting it. And I I think, think it's a, Oh yeah, no worries. Uh, Yeah. I think with Bigfoot, it's, it's really the same thing. I mean, like, you know, it's not like, you know, just a few, people made a, a joke or a video and now it's of like, so like thousands and thousands of credible people have sightings all the time. You know, there's the people go, oh, why is there no video? So why is there no pictures? There's, there are videos and picture evidence like the, the Patterson Gimlin film. And, sure. you know, I mean, really the one thing that's missing is we don't have a, a skeleton, but you know, I'm, I'm not someone that advocates going out and shooting a Sasquatch, but exactly. I think scientifically we can collect the proof that way. Look, but, um, it's Sasquatches have been seen on virtually every continent. Actually, I think it is every continent in virtually every country. Every indigenous uh, people have a relationship with Sasquatch going back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. There's something out there. And like, you know, the Yahweh in, in Australia. I mean, uh, there's always different names, all these different names for them. So there's got to be something out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think, uh, yeah, all across the world, there's different, different terms and words. Uh, I think Russia, it's Ural and the Himalayas, it's Yeti, Yowie in Australia, like you yeah. said. Uh, Orang Pendek, the uh, yeah, skunk Orang ape. Pendek, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just in America alone, we've got like three or four different names for it. So like I said, yeah. or like you said, people are seeing something. Yeah, even in yeah South America too. I forgot yeah. the name for this down there. But yeah, I know down there, there's a lot, like a lot of sightings come out of South America. So yeah, really all over the globe. And I think it kind of speaks to the, you know, this is a, a very like unique animal with a 
you know, quite an intelligence, like, you know, cause they are, they are quite elusive beings, obviously. Well, sure. But I mean, if you, if you look at the, like the silverback gorilla, that was rumored until like the early, what, the, or the late 19th century before, you know, people are like, oh no, it is real. But yeah, it was been rumored for like a hundred years and people are like, nah, it's not real. And then there's what the, um, there's the chimpanzees, the, uh, Something it starts with a B that was just discovered and that was rumored forever. And they're these massive chimpanzees, the strongest ones out there. So there are big things yet to be discovered. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I forgot the name for the chimps, but I've read about, yeah, those uh, the bigger chimpanzees that you're talking about there. And yeah, like, you know, stuff's being discovered all the time. And, you know, there's new species, not just like bug species, but, new, you know, new species of animal even being discovered in just very, very remote wilderness where no one is but there's you know rumors all the time and it's really the same thing with bigfoot like it's just you know it's a matter of time until you know we have all the proof for it to be accepted you know probably like ufos but yeah but uh yeah so it's really just a matter of time i think all right since you're younger than me i want to see what you guys think of some of the more outlandish theories about sasquatch including they can cloak or become invisible at will they can shape shift they're interdimensional they have something to do with UFOs. I'll let you start with those. Yeah, we've uh, yeah we've spoken to some researchers that uh, uh, you know have uh, that that view on that's what you know Sasquatch is and uh, um, you know I feel bad I've kind of been doing all the talking here. If uh, you guys wanna, yeah, whoever jump in, man, don't just leave it up to him. Come on. I mean, I don't really know how much that that much to add to that, but I I think I don't know if if I believe that view as much i'm always keeping an open mind about everything but uh no it's not, i think no. it's, it's it's a little it's a little out there but right we have this ginormous creature why do we have to make him supernatural besides paranormal like i mean he's already this amazing missing link to you know probably gigantopithecus why does he have to be magical too that's i'm with you on that one yeah i mean uh i don't know i mean i'm i'm i've always been uh you know an, an ape man myself you know like with uh the hominoid, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not for me to say, uh, like, if, you know, if someone, if someone has a difference in opinion, you know, I still love to hear what they have to say and, oh, sure. and uh, hear their evidence. Hey, I've oh. done episodes about that. And, and, and the whole time I'm just like, nah, but you know, I don't know. I don't, I haven't, it's not like I've had a, a Sasquatch on my podcast and until I do, I don't yeah. know. So I admit that there's, I, I look, I don't think there's any experts on the paranormal because you, you really can't be. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, Nick here has a... Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think it's just kind of the mythos of Bigfoot. Like, you know, I think once we, find, once we find one, it will be seen as just another biological animal. But I think the mythos kind of takes over in that aspect and people start believing all these sorts of things that I, I guess we can't 100% disprove, but they seem a little uh, a little out there. All right, since since Nick just spoke, I want to ask Nick then, what do you think about the theory that the government governments know about Bigfoot and they're keeping it from people? Yeah, we've heard about that with a couple of speakers in the club. But um, I don't really see a reason why they would do that. But they, they might have their own reasons. But uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why they would do that. But what, what do you think? Oh my God, I already forgot your name. I'm sorry. There's Ryan. There's Nick. What was your name? Allison. Yeah. Allison. Allison, what do you think about, do the, do the government know about Bigfoot? I mean, it's always possible, but I'm not really sure how I'd go about that one. <laughs> so Allison, let me ask you this. It's, it's not unusual. It's, it's, 
interesting to me because most of the squatchers out there are guys. So how many, how many women are in the group and how did you become, how did you become part of the group? Um, uh, how many women, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many are in the group, but there's definitely, it's a, it's a, a big split. group. It's a like, good yeah. Like we have like 148 members or something now. So, yeah. you know, you have tons with uh, different interests. But, so um, I guess I, I joined the club. I, I was friends with Ryan before I knew about, uh, the, the club and, and he told me about it. And I, I've always been kind of curious about, I guess anything I'm always thinking about new stuff. I, I like you know, UFOs, all that type of stuff. So when he told me about the Sasquatch club, I was like, okay, I got to join. This is fun. So, uh, so I, my sister and I, we, we both joined the club as oh, well. Cool. And, uh, she's not here today, but uh, she's, oh, well. yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's been pretty fun. I think it is, there is pretty, a pretty good split in the club, uh, between men mm-hmm. and women. I love that. That's cool because it should be that way. I've never understood because most of my fans are, are female and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's kind of what I want because I think that the more and more like that paranormal kind of becomes like the in thing that you, you find out that a lot more people are into it than you actually initially thought. Um, are you finding that as the group grows that you guys are either getting more done or is it the opposite where you're kind of getting bogged down because people just want to see the weird stuff? Uh, who wants to answer that? Yeah, me. Um <laughs> No, uh, I, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that kind of just want to see the weird stuff rather than, uh, you know, the whole picture and just like the hard scientific evidence. And, um, but I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say our group does like, you know, obviously I can't tell what every individual person in there is thinking, but I think, uh, I think they want to hear like, you know, just all the, the hard evidence and, and everything our, our researchers have to stay instead of like maybe, a little something that's a little bit out there for, you know, like, oh, I'd like to hear something weird today, you know? Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to go around the room. I'll start with Ryan. You come face to face with a Bigfoot. You guys are out there. You come face to face with the Sasquatch. What do you do? Blow its brains out. Ha, no, no, no. That's the number no, one I wouldn't, rule of this I wouldn't podcast. Do that. <laughs> I wouldn't, um, no. Well, I wouldn't have a gun with me. Perfect. But um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope some of the researchers we don't with uh, hear that hear that clip. But um, <laughs> no, he's kidding. He's uh, kidding. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know what I. I mean, I guess really, like, you, there's not much you can do. I'd probably take, well, I'd take on my phone and try to get a video. Obviously. Okay, so you still got you still think you have the wherewithal to be like, well, I got to get this on film, or would you be like, f this, I'm out of here. Oh, and by the way, if you guys have the desire to swear, you can. It's a podcast. But would you be like, f this, I'm out of here, or would you try and and stand your ground and get some video and photos? Uh, I guess you can't really say it until you're in the moment. True. But I, I think I would, you know, hopefully I'd be brave enough to stay and, and try to get some videos. But then if it, if it came at me, you know, like I, depending on how much time I had and how far away it was, you know, I'd probably start running and try to send the video somewhere in case, in case it got <laughs> me, but <laughs> so they'd still get the proof. But, um, yeah. All right. I mean, I've come pretty close face to face with like bears and stuff. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? Oh yeah. yeah. So you've come close with bears. All right. So, and you kind of were like, cool. Or were you like, cause I look, that's my worst fear is if I'm out hunting for a Sasquatch, I'm not afraid of finding a Sasquatch. I'm afraid of finding a mountain lion or a bear. So what happened with the bear? Oh yeah. I mean, um, like I, I spend the summer up, um, you know, beside a, a Galkin park. So we were just driving through a Galkin park and I saw some bears on the side of the road and I, you know, we pulled over and I, I kind of, they were in some, they were smaller bears, right? There were two of them. And, uh, you know, 
I, I hopped, I went down the road, hopped in like a little ditch where there was a bunch of shrubs and stuff. And then I kind of started going through them and then the bears were right there, but they were smaller ones though. So it wasn't too scary. <laughs> okay. But good. A bigger bear, I'd, I'd really probably crap my pants. But. <laughs> All right, Nick, I'm throwing it in your direction. What would you do if you come face to face with Sasquatch? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably try to get a video as well, but I'd probably be scared just like Ryan. Cause we, some of the speakers yeah. have said, you know, the only time you see a Bigfoot is when they want you to see them. Yep. So, uh, like, they might want me to get out of there. That's why they're showing themselves to me. So I'd probably be scared as well. I'll try to get a video, but uh, try to get some form of evidence. All right, so you're going, you're going the brave route as well. I, I, I appreciate yeah. it. But all right, so Allison, how about you? I, I guess probably along the same lines is what they said. I mean, obviously, you can't see one and then, you know, go home and say, I saw a Sasquatch if you don't have proof, right? Or at least true. you can true. it. But I'd try to get a video, depending on how close it was to me. But all right, yeah. all three of you are braver than me. <laughs> definitely try to get some footage or something. Look, I would do this. I would say the same, but when it comes right down to it, I don't. You know, yeah. Who, who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens when it happens. But good lord, I mean, I'd like to. Don't get me wrong, but still. Now, do you guys get school credit for this? <laughs> uh no no what? unfortunately come not. on i think we should but <laughs> Ooh, i gotta talk to for this crap come on yeah like it's a lot of work it, it, yeah we put a lot of work into it yeah like, you know we we have like a meeting once a week but you know we're, we email so many researchers and you know we're you know trying to get other schools into it too so like we're on the like we're in the news like three times a week hey like, look i never yeah. heard of trent university prior to this so you're you're doing yeah. something right yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's tons. Of, I can't even, like, you know, off the top of my head remember all the, like, I think this, this just this week alone, we're supposed to be, like, I had something on um, iHeartRadio for the second time oh, nice. last night. And then uh, there's an article coming out in the Toronto Sun this weekend, and then we're going on global news uh, yes. like on Monday. So in, like, a four-day period, that's, like, three major news, you know what I mean? Whoa, whoa, just, whoa. And then, right, and then this people. podcast, come on, count yeah. this from yeah, time. Yeah, well, yeah, you, well, I mean, you obviously know I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but, yeah, obviously you guys, too. But oh, um, So, wait, let me ask you a question. Speaking of the news article, the one that I read on the air that got you, that, that someone reached out to you and said, hey, you, you know, this idiot's talking about you. So tell me, what's up with Eugene Morin? Oh, is that the is that the professor? Yeah, that freaking yeah, hater. I haven't even heard of that guy before the article. I guess really? the, the CBC reporter. I guess I don't know. Um, Dude, I mean, I I thought the CBC reporter was pretty nice and everything, but no, he's great. I don't know if if you heard about this at all, but in like the BFRO Facebook page, um, Matt Moneymaker went on like a pretty long, like a four page long, uh, you know, bit of a. I guess a rant you could call it, but, but, you know, kind of defending us saying like, Oh, like they yes. kind of, you know, misbetrayed us and tried to make it sound. Cause they, he talked to Matt for a while. We didn't even know he was going to reach out to Matt and, or, or the professor. Eugene. Yeah. Or Eugene, I guess that's his name. Yeah. Um, no, like I was like, wait, where's this hater coming from in the middle of the article? All of a sudden I was like, now nah, I, I don't like this guy. Let's get back to the cool people that are actually talking about Sasquatch instead of one guy going, well, I don't believe in it. All right. Suck it, man. Yeah, and like I think uh, like Matt was kind of pissed that he took the quotes that kind of just made the club sound a bit ridiculous. Yep, me too. Like, yep. yeah, and and same same with the professor. I thought the professor like, you know, I didn't think he said anything too. Like, you know, I thought it was reasonable stuff for him to say. And like, we never even heard of the. I don't think any of us ever had a class with them or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if that's if that's kind of the price though to be in the CBC and have people know about the work we're doing, though, it you know to me it's definitely worth it. 
No, and you guys came um, off great in the yeah. article. And, and yeah. like I said, the article was like, I was like, oh, I really like it. They, you, you, you come off intelligent. You want to talk about Sasquatch. You don't want to belittle it and say the Bigfoot. Like, yeah, totally get it. Everything you said. And then, like I said, right in the middle was like this downer dude for no reason. I was like, all right, scrap that dude. Let's get back to the cool people. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was just surprised because we had like, you know, again, like no idea he was going to reach out to any, you know, either of them. So, but I mean, I, I still think it's great though, because, uh, like, you know, a lot of people reached out from seeing the article. That's cool. Uh, so, you know, it did, it did do a lot for us and we got, you know, like more contacts, a lot like researchers reached out, like, you know, important research that had researchers that had, uh, like, you know, really, you know, I thought valuable stuff for us to hear. About no, that's to, awesome. I think oh, that's the way you should oh, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's great. And, you know, I think the more people are aware of this, uh, the more get, get behind it. And, you know, we want more schools to get involved. So there's more academics behind this and more resources going to this because there's a real, you know, animal here and real discovery to be made. Definitely. So, now, are you really hoping that everyone knows? Are you hoping that you were, you can like go over to this school and then go hunt in their area or like, what do you, what would you, what is your dream for this? If you could have a dream for it, what would it be? Uh, I guess I just want everyone that, that wants to know that there's, there's really something here and so much great evidence and great people behind it. And I'd love for other schools to get involved. So there's more, you know, like there's a lot of stigma around this, obviously, you know, we, we get that a lot, but I think, you know, the more, the more uh, academic institutions that get behind this, you know, there's more, more students that want to know there's more, more resources. I think that's really important. That's something researchers have kind of stressed to me. Like, it's great. You guys are university doing this. Because, you know, for those reasons, it's it's very important. So that's, you know, that's a big goal for us. Yeah, I, I, I'll i say, like, I've got listeners around the world, and I've got a lot of listeners that have reached out to me with their own Sasquatch stories. So, I mean, they're, like, like you were saying, there is something there, and it's unfortunate that there's still a stigma in 2022, that there's still a stigma about saying, I saw something, I don't know what it was, here's what it looked like. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, you know, it just sucks on on so many levels, because I think, you know, people, people like are really interested in this stuff. Like we get like, you know, obviously, you know, you guys and in like all these different media sources, but like just so many students, like, you know, most clubs at our university have maybe like 15 kids, you know what I mean? That's what like, I expected. Like almost when, when... 150, like we're, I don't That's know, nuts. like, I'm pretty sure we're the largest in the school. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's like, it's great. Just, you know, so many people, you know, whether they believe or not, like they have a genuine interest in it and, and want to know more. And, you know, I think it's just, it's so great because it's, it's so interesting, you know, it's, it's such a cool topic. I agree completely. Look, I, I've, like I said, I've got listeners around the world, especially in Canada, reach out to these guys and, and tell them places to go, tell them your stories, tell them your sightings, tell them where to look because, that's how they're going to find them. And I would like nothing more if you guys were the ones to say, have a hundred percent proof that Sasquatch exists because now I have your email and I'm going to bug the crap out of you if it is you that gets it. But, <laughs> but no, I think that'd be great. Yeah, it, it really would be. And, you know, it's so cool. Cause I mean, you know, when we started the club, like we, you know, we thought like, Oh, we will be able to research and talk and, and, you know, share ideas and stuff. We never thought we'd be getting like the BFRO coming out, you know, Todd standing, Dr. Meldrum, like yeah. you know, all these, and all these other researchers and like all, all this, you know, I never thought we'd get like any, you know, big, uh, big attention or, you know, on, on podcast and things like that. And now like at this rate, like it's, you know, 
like it's it's pretty crazy but i think it just goes to show like how you know important this is and how much people want to know about this yeah oh definitely now let me ask hmm i'm gonna go with i'll go with allison allison who is the better sasquatch call you or the guys (laughs) that's a good question uh i'd probably say it's the guys what oh (laughs) come on i was hoping to be you uh, I'm not going to make you do it. Don't worry. If you would have said you, I wouldn't have been like, now do it. I'm, I'm not that kind of uh, interviewer. But all right. So does anybody there have, is there one person in your group that's like, hey, we need a Sasquatch call. Do it. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't really say we have one person. I mean, uh, really, really whoever, you know, is kind of feeling it that night, I guess, in sure. and out, you know, um, I don't know. My my voice isn't very loud, so it's it's not usually me, but. Yeah, just just whoever whoever wants to give it a go that night. Hey, that's cool. Like, hey, someone's got to do it. I co- I won't be the one. I've never done it. Every every outing that I've done, and I've done quite a few. I'm not I'm not doing the Sasquatch call. That's not on me. I'll I'll listen. I won't I won't do the call. I'm just shy. I guess I'm Sasquatch shy. All right. So we've gotten to the thirty minute part, and so I wanted to find out. All right. Let me see. All right. Now's the time to do a reminder of how everybody can find you, how they could reach out, what you would like people to reach out with, because I've just been kind of throwing stuff out there. But what do you guys want to see or hear from people? Um, really, like, you know, don't don't be afraid to reach out no matter like what level you're on. If you, you know, even if you just want to talk to us, but like, you know, especially reach out if you've, you've had an encounter, especially if you've had an encounter in Ontario, um, you know. If you're a researcher on any level, if you have any information to share with us, please reach out. And, you know, same same with media. Like, you know, we want to share this with as many people as we can and, you know, do as much as this with we can. Because it's, you know, it's really important that people are starting to take this seriously and learn about it. And so we, you know, on any level, just please reach out to us. All right. What's the email address one more time? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Sa- Sasquatch Society at TrentU.ca. All right. Perfect. Or yeah, they can and, find and you anywhere, any any yeah, social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much uh, it in terms of reaching out. Just, yeah, any any level, just big, big, small, whatever you want to talk about. If you've had anything to tell us or, you know, want to, you know, just anything, feel free to reach out. We're here. Awesome. Well, now I'll pass it. Now I'll throw it over to you. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you have something you want to talk about, you can be like, no, we're good. We kind of covered it. But I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to throw out anything that you want to throw out. You know, we, we want to like spread, spread this message as far as we can really. And, you know, we, we want everyone to know about this animal and that, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a joke. This is really something serious. And, uh, just like, there's, you know, I think people, you know, they, they hear about Bigfoot and it's like, oh, haha. But there's there's so many academics behind it now, like way more than I ever realized. Like, I'm, I don't just mean at our school. I don't mean our students. Like, you know, people, like other academics working, uh, you know, all around the world. Were, like, um, like we were talking to, you know, Todd Standing this week and he had like, you know, some pretty impressive names that he's been working with on. Uh, I think he's working out in Alberta right now. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, just there, there's like really something here and there's a lot of scientific evidence that, you know, we're lucky enough to get to hear about every week. So I hope, you know, people just, you know, start to take it more seriously. And I think, again, with the reaching out, if there's any, anything uh, anyone wants to reach out or hear about or any questions or just, just get in touch, 
you know, let us know we're here. And uh, and only students can be members, correct? Um, yeah, technically in the club, only students can be members of the club. But we're going to try to maybe do like a website or something this oh, summer cool. where where, you know, people, just anyone who wants to, you know, come and see all the information we have or, you know, we'll probably put out some videos and things like that. You know, we want to be able to like we have a lot of people you know, message us and are like, oh, this is so cool. Like, would I be able to come to the meeting? And unfortunately, because of the way, you know, like our school club set up, you know, we can only let students go. But sure. um, yeah, so that's, you know, it's unfortunate, but we, we want to be able to fix that because we have so, so many people message us and be like, oh, I'd love to hear this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would even love to if I'm, you know, I'm from the Detroit yeah. area, so it's, wouldn't it be that far to go up to Ontario? But like, I, I just think it's cool. Uh, in general, when people can kind of get together and talk about a topic that they're scientifically interested in, I'm not just interested, but scientifically interested in. And do you guys have any merch? Because that's what I'm always interested in. You have any merch? We don't, but I, I actually had a have a friend that works at um like a company that does that. Who was asking if we wanted to yeah. to make do make it. stuff. Do it. I'll buy. Look, yeah. hey, you you put out merch and you emails me. Hey, we got merch. You got a guaranteed sale. I'll 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 rep your merch. Yeah, you will. Yeah. All right, we'll do it. Cause like I, you know, my friend, like it's just said, send us the logo. I could design a shirt. So yeah, uh, yeah we know we should, I'll email you about that after if you want. And uh, I would love it. Yeah, Seriously. Do that. Yeah. Hey, this yeah. was awesome. Yeah. I can't yeah. thank you guys enough. This is so cool. Yeah. And then this summer too, we plan to go, um, you know, in Ontario, Northern Ontario, we plan to do some expeditions and then up cool. in Quebec and we'd, but if you're, you know, in around Ontario uh, or, you know, well, really anywhere in the world, we'd love to hear about your encounters, but like, especially if you're in Ontario, please reach out and tell us, you know, what, what you've seen, what you have, because, you know, we love hearing from witnesses too. It, you know, it helps us a lot. How long do you guys go out for when you do your expeditions? Uh, it kind of depends. Like, you know, if we have like school the next day, we'll usually go out for like a few hours in the night and try to be back by like one or two. But, you know, this summer we plan to go out for, you know, like if we can manage to stay up all night, we plan to stay up all night and, and you know, camp out in the woods for a while. Come and, on, you're young. You can stay up all night. If yeah. I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets harder with every year, I think. But uh, we can we can still do it. Dude, and, I've got gray yeah. in my beard and I can do it. You can do it. Come on. But I think the other thing, too, is, you know, we have, um, like, I'm not the, the scientist in the group, but we have some pretty interesting new uh dna stuff like or dna testing technologies to try to use in like rivers and streams and different parts of the forest oh, cool. uh, to not just you know obviously going around and in looking is uh like kind of the traditional way but we've you know really done our homework now and and we have uh a lot of new kind of scientific ways that i think are are pretty unexpected um based on what people have seen on like other you know, if you go watch Expedition Bigfoot or sure. Finding Bigfoot, like I think, um, you know, that's kind of what people expect us to be doing. But we have a lot of ways I think that would like surprise people that we're going to be doing this summer that could really help lead us to something, I think. And then the witness encounters too, like that helps, really helps us figure out like where stuff's going on right now. Oh, definitely. Well, like, all right. Yeah. So let me throw it out there just in case it isn't clear. If you guys discover Bigfoot or you have any kind of sightings or anything or footage please let me know because I will definitely, you know, pass it off to my listeners because we, we love hearing about this stuff and you guys are out there doing it and I love it. Yeah, we absolutely will let you know, especially, you know, right now we probably don't just because we can't really leave Peterborough. We can't go much further outside because we, you know, we have school all the time, but this summer, 
you know, I really think we have a chance of, you know, finding finding some type of evidence, whether it's some, you know, DNA we've sampled out of rivers and stuff like that, or or uh, even citing, you know, footprints, especially, you know, I'm hoping that that uh, witnesses will get in touch and we'll be able to to. Uh, oh, yeah. You have one behind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So hopefully hopefully that way uh we'll be able to put a lot of information together and a lot of you know scientific stuff i don't think people will uh really be expecting us to do um and and you know have some good results i love it i love it i can't thank you all enough once again the the i didn't expect to get more than one so having ryan and nick and allison on the show from the Trent University Sasquatch Society, you guys are awesome. Thank you for again for reaching out because I was really excited when I found out about you and I really wanted to talk with you guys. So I'm happy to talk with you. This was awesome. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having us on. We're super happy to do it. And, you know, we just, we love sharing everything we do with, uh, you know, everyone we can. So, so it's really great to be able to do this and thanks so much for having us. All right. See what I mean? They're cool as hell, right? And they're doing like the cool work. They're using science to try and prove Sasquatch, which, as you know, like I said in that interview, that's my thing. I like it when people try to use science to to prove the paranormal. Uh, I, I can't thank them enough for reaching out and chatting with me for a little bit today. I had a blast talking to all three of them. I feel terrible that I forgot Allison's name like almost immediately, but I do that with everybody. So the fact that I got one name out of the three, uh, you know, remembered one name out of three is, is saying something. But thank you so much to Ryan, Nick, and especially Allison, because you know I forgot her name. Uh, for being on the show, that was a blast. And they're like I told them on the in on the podcast or in the interview, they're welcome on this podcast anytime. I'd love to do follow ups with them. I'd love to hear what they're up to and where you know where they're at with their society. And also, I want to rock some of their merch. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more paranormal news. We are back, and I lied. We're not back with more paranormal news. We're back with more paranormal almanac. And on this edition, I want to tell you about a very bizarre case of something paranormal. It's got a bit of everything, basically. It's hard to prove or disprove. And if you know this story, maybe you won't get a lot out of it, but I think you might. I think you still will. But if you don't know this story. I actually, you know what? I'll take that back. Even if you know this story, you're going to get something new out of this because at the, the end, I'll tell you about something new. But if you don't know this story, whoo boy, are you in for one hell of a ride? It, it's bizarre. It, <laughs> I mean, it's really freaking weird. I love everything about it. This one starts way, way back. In 1985, in Doddleston, England, and if someone says you're pronouncing Doddleston wrong, it's Doddleston. I looked it up. I looked it up like four different ways, and they all say Doddleston, so I'm going to go with Doddleston, England. It's near Wales, and this happened when Ken Webster bought an 18th century meadow cottage, and right off the bat, strange shit happened. Now, Ken woke up. The first strange shit that I really want to talk about is this one. Ken woke up to find... Six-toed footprints in the dust that seemed to walk up the walls between the bathroom and the kitchen. Now, he thought that either his girlfriend, Debbie, or maybe the guy that was staying with them, Nicola, 
uh, he's nicknamed Nick, I'll call him Nick from this point on, was playing a practical joke on him. But they both went, no, nah, it wasn't us. And they are like, well, maybe it was you. No, nah, it was Nick. It was like, no, nah, it was definitely Debbie. Debbie's like, no, nah, it was you, Ryan, or it was you, Ken. And no, no. Like, so they all kind of blamed it on each other. And they thought that was a weird prank. Remember, six-toed footprints. So Nick says, well, you know, the walls need painting anyway. And he painted over the six-toed footprints. The next morning, they were back. Not only were the footprints back, but this time they found a stack of cat food tins stacked up in the shape of a pyramid. They also said that they were seeing shadows in the halls and thought, it was very vague, but thought an invisible presence was in the cottage now. Just wait, it gets weirder. So, like I said, it's 18, it's 1895. No, it's 1985. Since it's 18, oh my God, Kurt, no. Since it's 1985, computers were just starting to be a big deal. Ken brought home his BBC microcomputer, which, if you don't know, and I don't expect anybody to know, it's a very early computer that really wasn't much of a computer at all. It was mostly like a word processor where, you know, you'd turn it on, it'd have a really crappy tiny little screen, that would say, like, what do you want to do? You want to create a Word document? You, I mean, there's not a lot of computer to this computer. Definitely no internet. So he brought it home on loan from his job at the local school to kind of, like, show it off to Debbie. And also, Nick wanted to use it for the word processor. Now, a lot of podcasts that have done this story or, or TV shows that have done this story, and there's not a lot, a lot, but, I mean, the ones that have really focused on the word processor and the computer chip and all the microchip that was for it that did this word processor. And they seem to think that's very useful information. I don't think so. So I'm just going to say, I want it noted to everyone, this computer wasn't hooked up to a modem. There was no outside internet, no outside way that information could be downloaded onto their computer. And you'll see what I mean in just a second. So, Ken brings home this tiny little weird-ass BBC microcomputer, and things kind of went batshit crazy from the get-go. Ken said almost immediately, they got a message on the computer, not an IM, but a file called KDN appeared with a Word doc message. So he's like, well, that's weird. He kind of wanted to see what maybe what Nick was writing, but Nick said, I didn't write anything yet. So he opens up this Word doc file called KD as in David, N is in Nancy, and uh, or K is in Ken, D is in Debbie, and N is in Nick, because that's what it was really about, saying, Ken, Deb, Nick, true are the nightmares of a person that fears. Safe are the bodies of the silent world. Turn, pretty flower, turn towards the sun, for you shall grow and sow. But the flower reaches too high and withers in the burning light. Get out your bricks. Pussycat, pussycat, went to London to seek fame and fortune. Faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. Look, I don't know much about poems, but if I saw that, I'd think, oh, well, Nick obviously got really fucking high and wrote this weird-ass poem, because this means nothing to me. Safe are the bodies of the silent world. Okay. Turn, pretty flower, turn towards the sun, for you shall grow and sow. Okay, I can understand that. Everybody's growing, and, you know, as we go through life, you know, you got to, you know, you grow. Uh, the flower reaches too high, it weathers in the burning light. Sure, you know, the whole thing about Icarus wing. Sure, why not? Get out your bricks. Nope, no idea. 
Pussycat Pussycat went to London to seek fame and fortune. I don't know who Pussycat is. Why they went to London to seek fame and fortune? I don't know, because this doesn't happen in London. As I already told you, it happens in Doddleston near Wales. The next one, faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. All right, so obviously someone that's really into some kind of religious thing, that loves to have some flowery prose. Well, they all said, I didn't write that. You write that. I didn't write that. I didn't write that. They didn't know who it was from or why they received it. Then a few days later, they got a second message saying, I write on behalf of many. What strange words you speak. You are a worthy man who has a fanciful woman, and you live in my house, he says, who dwell in my house, with lights which devil makes. It was a great crime to have bribed my house. Signed, L.W., the initials L.W. All right, so if that wasn't weird enough that someone seemed to be leaving files in Ken's computer when no one's around... The language seemed to be 16th to 17th century speech. And it's obviously talking about you've stolen or bribed my house. So this person lives in the same house. He knows that Ken has Deb as his girlfriend. They dwell in his house. Lights with the devil make. Sure, electricity. That freaks someone out from the 16th century. You know, seems weird. But it gets even weirder. Because then stuff started moving in the house. The cat food pyramids happened again. Shadows of all starts happening more and more and more again. So Ken's like, all right, what the crap? So he creates his own little Word document file. Again, it's not an email. It's just creating a Word document file. And he responds with questions about like, hey, where, where are you from? When are you from? He says, dear LW, thank you for the message. We are sorry for disturbing you. What would you like us to do? Did you live in a house on this land about 1620? Do you want us to tell you more about our time? Why write a poem? Who is Edward Gray? Apparently Edward Gray was mentioned. I don't freaking know. It doesn't matter. Keep going. Is he related to the Egerton family? Do you have a family? Is the King James or Charles Stuart? What is the charge house? Was this village called Doddleston in your life and how many families live there? Thank you very much for your messages. Thank you for not making us afraid. Ken, Debbie, and John. John was a friend of theirs. Then they went to the pub. They were like, oh, cool, I left my little message. I'm going to go to the pub. When they got back, yep, they got a response. And the response says, "'Twas an honest farm of oak and stone." And it's all spelled funky. Farm spelled with an E, Anna spelled with an E, Oak is spelled O-K-E. Uh, it is helpful that you should tell you should tell me about thy time. Dost thou half horse? Edmund Gray, brother of John Gray, lives in Kinnertone Hall. Thy king, of course, is Henry VIII, who is six and forty. Six and forty. Forty-six years old. I we woot of King James. All right. Mine Charge House is a place of lore, schooling, LW, 28th March, 1521. So now they got a date. LW said, yeah, here we go. So over the next 18 months, I almost said 10 months, but it's more than that, 18 months, they kept getting messages. They found out that LW initials were for Lucas, Lucas Wayne Man. Now, Lucas kept writing to them in odd 16th century verbiage. So Ken decided he would ask all kinds of questions. 
like what college he went to, who was the reigning king, like all this stuff to try and like really suss out like who's doing this. Because in his mind, they're like, this is some kind of weird prank. I don't know how these people are doing it. Although they keep leaving for the pub and then coming back and then the shit's on there. So maybe you just stay there and watch the computer. But that's that's logic and reason. Let's keep going. So they figured out that Lucas lived on the site of Meadow Cottage during Henry VIII's marriage to Catherine Parr sometimes between 1543 and 1547. He kept various livestock in the land around his house. He'd been married with his son, but both wife and child died of the plague in 1517. They also found out that he studied at Brazenose College, Oxford, and knew Erasmus, having met him three times in all. All right, cool, whatever. So they're finding out details about him. And the interesting thing is, like I said, Ken works at a school. So Ken goes to the school. He starts talking to this guy that's in the English department. He'll be involved in the story in a minute. And the guy's like, all right, some of the words that he's using, that you told me that he's using, are correct, and you shouldn't know that. There's no reason that a person should know this. Remember, this is 1985. It's not now where you can Google how to how to talk like I'm from 1543. No, you kind of really have to know how to use the verbiage and the nouns and, and when to use what tense. So it's very bizarre. And it became clear that the messages are being sent by someone who were alive in the past. So Lucas becomes suspicious about Ken and Debbie, on his own right, because he's like, hey, look, you evil devil people, how are you how are you communicating with me? I'll get to that in a minute, what, how this communication happened back and forth. But he's like, I'm going to try and catch, Lucas is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and catch him in a lie, saying they can't possibly be from the future. In his time, there was no Jesus College in Oxford. It was founded in 1571. So he thinks that anyone from the future would know this is a given. So he says, I'm going to give him some false information. And he, he throws out a couple of things that are obviously wrong. If you lived in the future, you should know this. And they got it right. And he's like, oh, okay, maybe you aren't the devil. You're not really scaring me. This is weird. I don't understand how it's happening. Same as, you know, Ken and Debbie and Nick. They don't understand how it's happening. So he's like, all right, I didn't want to tell you this because I thought you guys were trying to trick me or the devil or this was a test of some kind for, you know, you know God's testing me. My name really isn't Lucas. It's Thomas Harden or Howarden, basically, but Thomas Harden, and he was worried about being imprisoned for this communication. So there's a lot of people, let me pause right here to say, there's a lot of people that have investigated this story. And they found that a Thomas Harden did exist. He was a vicar of a church in Gloucestershire, Gloucester, in the 1550s. And this would not have been known in 1985 by anybody. So it's interesting that they got the info right before Google was even a thing. So you got to keep that in mind that it's 1985. Information's not just anywhere. Even if you went to the library, you wouldn't even find out most of this stuff. But they, they're getting information right. They're getting the wording, the spelling, the tenses, the information about people and events happening at that time. They're getting it right, but they're getting it right in 1985. So point one for this could be real. So the time seems right. They're talking to somebody from 1546. Sure. He said 1521 at first, and then he says 1546. But still, they're like, we got to be getting pranked by somebody. And Ken said he changed his mind when Thomas mentioned something that only people in the house could know. Thomas mentioned a photo that Ken had next to the computer of a Jaguar, not the car, not the animal, a Jaguar car. 
And the message said, I have found your picture of the cart, but is it a crude thing? For without the horse, it won't go far. Interesting. How is he seeing things in the house? It really seems that Thomas can see things that they're leaving around in the house. And it doesn't, it's never really clear how he's seeing things. Is he remote viewing it? Even the whole like computer part of it, like I said, I'll get to that in a minute, is very odd in Thomas's timeline. Remember, Lucas's name is real Thomas. In Thomas's timeline in the 1500s, but he seems to be able to look around the house and see what's happening in 1985. And now they're really freaked out. Ken and Debbie and Nick, they're like, whoever's sending these messages, know things that are going on in this house. How are they doing it? Now, a friend of Thomas's starts communicating because it turns out that Thomas has been arrested and is being held by the local sheriff. Uh, the local sheriff's name is Sir Thomas Fowlhurst. Fowlshurst. And he's being arrested for his communication with the light box, or as they call it, the Leams Boist or Leams Boxed. The light box is the computer that Thomas is using back in the day. So somehow, probably from Thomas going, what the fuck has happened? There's this weird box in my house. I can speak to it because it does seem like he's just talking to it and it's putting the words on the screen. Some people or some sites say that the light box is actually just kind of like projected onto his chimney or something. It's really kind of odd, but I don't know if that part is true. It seems more accurate to say that he has some version of a computer. He's calling it a light box or a Leams Boist or a Leams box, and it's in his house. And according to his friend that's communicating, yep, Thomas is being held by the local sheriff, Sir Thomas Fowlshurst, and it's bad. So Thomas does get released, but he's held under house arrest, and he starts resuming communications and confessing, like, uh, I'm really scared of what's going to happen, my fate that's, gonna, that's awaiting him. He's like, dude, because of this freaking communication, I think I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get executed. Then things get weirder-er. Because Thomas writes, wait a minute, I'm confused because Ken says, hey, we're living in the year 1985. What do you want to know? And he goes, whoa, 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 I'm confused. I thought you were also from 2109, like your friend who brought the box of lights, pray. Like, hey, man, I thought you guys were 2109 because the dude that brought me this box of lights that I'm typing on or, or talking to, I thought you were from 2109. He also reveals that the Leams Boist or box of light was brought to his house by someone called One from the year 2109. One O-N-E from the year 2109. So Thomas had been under the impression that Ken was also from 2109. And he's like, uh, what do you mean 1985? What are you talking about? So they figure out this means that, you know, Thomas, he's talking about the computer. They don't know anybody from 2109 because it's 1985. So he says you know what? That's weird. Let me try to message the friend from 2109 too. I mean, it's not any weirder than chatting from chatting with someone from like 1546. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to try this. So he writes a little message again. It's not an email. It's just like a word doc. He opens it up, creates it. And he writes to 2109 and yep, he gets a response. 
That response is Ken, Deb, Peter. This is Peter Trinder. That's Ken's school work friend, the guy that had the English degree that was so intrigued by the language used in the messages that he was like, this has to be real. There's no way that Ken could know this. He's actually kind of funny. He did an interview and he was like, look, I'm not saying that nobody from 1985 could know it, but Ken sure as shit couldn't. He wouldn't, you know, he's not smart enough to know this. So he was like, I don't know. I don't get this. I want to be part of this. So now it's Ken, Deb, and Peter because Nick had fucked off by this point. They said, we're sorry that we can give you only two choices. One, that you either have your predicament explained in such a non-rhyme way that may, that you that you may have instant understanding or two. Try to understand that you three have a purpose that shall in your lifetime change the face of history. We, 2109, must not affect your thoughts directly, but give you some sort of guidance that will allow room for your own destiny. All we can say is, we are all part of the same God, whatever he is, question mark. Yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird response. They're calling themselves we. They're calling themselves 2109. They said that, you know, we can kind of tell you some shit, but not a lot of it. You have to kind of do your own thing because you have your own destiny. So that already sounds like legit time traveler talk to me. But yeah, Ken is now talking to the past and now the future. So while 2109 starts leaving dozens of messages... Ken is, you know, like reading those, but he's also worried about Thomas because he said that his life was in danger because of the light box and all that stuff. So Ken's like, I got to figure out a way to help Thomas. So he checks the messages, finds a reference to Henry Mann, who was the Dean of Chester, and he finds info that Mann had in 1533 communicated with Elizabeth Barton, the so-called Maid of Kent. Now, this, this Elizabeth Barton... Um, was she was like a Catholic nun. She made a bunch of prophecies critical of Henry VIII's marriage to Anne Boleyn. If you don't know that one, it doesn't end good. Uh, she was ex- executed in 1534. So Ken relays all of this in Thomas. Like, hey man, here's all of the info I can find. Hopefully you can use this information somehow. And Tom's, Thomas's friend said, it didn't work. And Thomas is going to trial. Now they find out and a couple other messages a little bit later on that Thomas is actually kind of released, uh, you know, like kind of released to the home, home arrest again, basically house arrest again, but he's kept alive to keep the light box working. And so they're like, what the hell? So Thomas told people about the light box and guess what? Someone else starts messaging them. That damn sheriff himself, Thomas Fowlshurst. Stay with me. It gets, it's about to get weirder. -er -er. All right. So now we've got the sheriff who knows about the light box. Thomas's friend, who I don't know their name. They know about the light box. Thomas, who knows about the light box. We got Ken, Debbie, and Peter, and we got 2109. So 2109 is still leaving dozens and dozens of messages for Ken and Debbie, claiming they're involved in an experiment or some similar project with a higher purpose. Now, People, again, there's a lot of people that have investigated this. I went down a lot of freaking rabbit holes for this story, but people who have investigated this for spelling or verbal errors, um, like kind of not from the time, noted that not only was Thomas and the sheriff and Thomas's friend speaking correctly, but 2109 communicates in a very different tone and language. 
using scientific terms, but also giving little details away about their agenda other than annoyance at Ken and Debbie when, for example, they find out, you know, Lucas's real name and they're like, whoa, you're not supposed to know that. You're supposed to just call him Lucas. So it sounds like 2109 kind of taught or, or guided Thomas to be like, hey, just, just tell him LW, don't give him your real name. And 2109 seems to be worried that this information that they're getting will disrupt their plans. They're kind of going outside the boundaries of what the plan was. So 2109 is very worried about them. And Ken says that during the messages, things would go missing around the house. And Thomas would say he found them and has them. So again, it's it's very weird. Is the house like time slipping? Is, is Thomas time slipping? Is Ken time slipping? Or is 2109 messing with shit from the future? And then Debbie goes, you know what's weirder? I'm dreaming of Thomas and I'm getting more information from the dreams that seems to be accurate as well. Then a pipe flew through the air, hitting Debbie straight on in the face. So take that, Debbie. Furniture piles up against a wall. And I mean everything. Imagine everything you got in the living room. You walk into your house because they went to the pub like they always do. They, you come back from the pub and all of your furniture in the living room is just bam, up against one wall, like stack, like just thrown. Like she said, it was like a giant flicked it with this finger. They find chalk writing under a rug, under the rug in the living room. They hear sounds of walking and more regular this time, footprints, like the regular footprints that is. Regular footprints were found all over the house. And they go, all right. Is it Thomas or is it 2109? But one of you two guys are like really messing with us. And while all this crazy crap is happening, Thomas is asked to leave by his landlords because of the light box communications. So even though he seems to be under house arrest and they were talking to the sheriff for a little bit, seems like that kind of got resolved because the sheriff was like, oh crap, this light box seems to be real. Something's happening here. Then his landlords were like, you know, get the hell out, you heathen. So they boot him out. So Thomas leaves a final message wishing Ken and his friends well, stating that he'll go to Bristol to buy a horse, then see if he's welcome again at Brazenose. That's the college over in Oxford. He says that he'll write a book about the events and hopes that someday they might meet so he can read, they can read Ken his book and Ken can read Thomas his book. Because Ken said, you know, I'm writing a book too. They said, cool, we'll kind of swap books. It'll be amazing. So that's the end of Ken. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the end of Thomas. Ken's still here, don't worry. That's the end of Thomas. That was the last Thomas message. And people are going, okay, he said he's going to leave, he's going to write a book, he's going to leave the book, we've got, and someday we'll find the book. And 2109 says, this is a little bit later on, but he says, the book by Thomas will be found one day. Kurt here, so far, nothing. From 1985 to 2022, so far, nothing. Um, so I, I kind of like read you some of 2109's messages. I'm not going to read them all because it would take forever. But uh, let me let me skip ahead. Uh, because of all the weird crap happening to Debbie and 2109 going cuckoo, Ken's like, all right, we got to figure out something's going on. And he invites a paranormal investigation team called the Society for Psychical Research. So he invites... He invites them to the cottage to investigate. 
and John and Dave, some people say John, Dave, and Dave from the team show up. They show up three times. And they said, nothing's really happening when we're here. When we're keeping everybody under close evaluation, doing it scientifically, nothing's really happening. And they had this really cool idea. And I like this a lot. They made Ken and Debbie stay out of the room, the room with the computer in it. So they're like, you get the hell out of the room. They probably went to the pub. seems like they always, they always did. Um, so then John and Dave, the society, whatever you want to call it, Society for Cyclical Research, they get on the computer and they ask 10 questions to either Thomas or 2109. And then they delete the questions before Ken and Debbie could see them. Their thought being was that, all right, if it isn't Ken or Debbie responding, then we'll know. Like something will respond. They'll understand. The, they'll read the questions. They'll answer them. There's no way that Ken or Debbie can know the questions. So let's see if Thomas or 2109 actually answer our questions. Using science to prove the paranormal. I love it. Great idea, especially for 1985 Paranormal Society. So they told Ken to let them know when or if he ever gets a response. And several days later, Ken says, hey, you know what? There's a response, and I don't understand it, so come on down. And the response was, David, John, David, you interfere with communication next time you decide to perform your little experiment. You must be clear from here. We suggest you try someone else to sit with Debbie. Yes, we are what you would call a tachyon universe, but your understanding is incorrect. We ask nothing more of you than thank you to carry on as you would prefer. We will have John present if given choice, or you may bring another as mentioned. No, it is a no concern of us that this is not proved. We will give you a plotting of a star next time. We move at a speed so that we can cover every point in your time and universe. We have no form. We feed of a neat energy, neat is spelled incorrectly, that you would not have heard of, 2109. And they were like, okay, uh, is that right? And John and David said, 20, 2109 hasn't really answered the questions, but it seemed that they had picked up all the questions left for them and answered them in the same order. So basically, yeah, it answered, 2109 answered, but it didn't really give us the answers we were looking for. So obviously they asked very specific questions about like, where are you at in the universe? Are you part of this universe? Are you real? Are, you know, what do you look like? I mean, there's obviously specific things that you can get from these weird answers. And it seems like 2109 answered it correctly. Even weirder. I'm, I'm telling you, it's bizarre. They said, yeah, like, um, it's definitely not Ken or Debbie doing this, but we don't know who is doing this. And frankly, uh, it didn't really matter. And they just kind of left. And I don't mean left the house. They left the paranormal society. They just fucking fucked off and never returned. Yeah, that's a weird response to this. You're all into the paranormal. You ask this supposed time traveler some questions. You get answers, not the answers that you were hoping for, but answers to questions that you asked. And you were like, uh-uh, nope, I'm out of here. So maybe they were just a little bit scared, and then they left. But they left nonetheless, never to return. Now, the papers heard about this, and they actually wrote about it in a local paper on page three called Verily, 
I'm a computer spook. Now, let me see if I can read this to you. It's, it's, some of it's kind of obscured. Um, it talks about the computer, blah, blah, blah. They said that, uh, uh, a floppy disk from a cod piece is mastery of 20th century scientific skills is rather impressive. That's the opinion of a con economics teacher, Ken Webster, whose micro has been haunted by Mr. Harden for a year. Obscure. Ken now is quite, Ken now quite looks forward to the messages from the past that pop up on his monitor. Mainly their questions about the present day, which Mr. Harden understandably finds baffling, but much of the historical information he feeds back to the Ken and a friend, English specialist, Peter Trinder, is interesting and correct. Mr. Harden calls Bristol bright toe, an obscure but genuine form, and refers to a minor author called Mr. Utanius by his then unfa by his then fashionable Oxford nickname of Rufus. So again, specific information that was not available in 1985 about the 1500s, Thomas is getting right. Ken, a doubting soul, originally thought that someone was playing a prank. Now, more than 150 messages later, he's not so sure. There definitely was a Thomas Harden who was in the who was the dean of Brazenose College Chapel at Oxford in the late 1530s. Boom, confirmation. He was expelled for refusing to remove the Pope's name from prayer books during Henry VIII's purge on Roman Catholicism and appears to have settled for a quiet farming life in Cheshire. Well, is it genuine? The Society for Psychical Research has investigated the case no fewer than eight times, this says. I don't know about that. I heard three. But remains skeptical. Investigator Peter Buckall is convinced some 1985 computer hacker in Ken's village, Doddleston, Cheshire, is responsible. And Mr. Harden? Well, he told the mail on Sunday, Mine cook saith, I shall repent for mine adventure, and that it will come to foul issue. But methinks she be yellow, yellow, I don't know, and told her so. So basically what they're saying is that the uh, the investigator, that Peter, Buck, Peter Buckall, his, he was like, you know what, it's got to be a hacker. But he's not using like the phone lines or the internet or something like that. He's using the earth. It was some really weird, like, uh, he's using the earth wire. He's just made some shit up. And people were like, no, that's not how computer or life works. So I, I don't think so. So the, you know, the paper kind of confirmed that Thomas is getting even more shit right than I thought. And not only that, he, uh, you know, everything seems to be right. 150 messages. It's incredible the amount of communication back and forth between times. But then, not to be outdone, they get this message from 2109 for Peter, that's Ken's friend, to contact Gary Rowe. Now, the message says, you may phone him at the number below, and I invite, you, I invite him to talk with you. When he comes, show him this and ask him what he makes of it. Peter must do the telephoning. Tell him that you got this telephone number from a UFO enthusiast, signed 2109. So now we got a new guy coming in, Gary Rowe. Gary Rowe is really kind of cool, kind of an interesting ufologist. And he read this, and he said, um, there's something here. There's something going on. And he started to say that he could communicate to 2109 using sealed envelopes. So basically, Ken would say, or say like, hey, you got a message, seal it in an envelope that only Gary could read, and then Gary would respond 
in the envelopes, and it would just kind of like disappear apparently. But Gary, to this day, won't really say what the messages were, except for one. Gary did say this one message. Let me read this one to you. Greetings. I am instructed to apologize, but in any event, I would have done so of my own volition. There will be a letter hopefully this weekend. I am also instructed to apologize to Ken and Debbie. I must try and answer your last letter. It would appear that you were more important than I had realized in the scheme of things. Signed, Gary. It's bizarre. I, I, I want, I can't wait to find out more from Gary if he'll answer, but Gary is very elusive with his answers, and it seems to be at 2109's behest. He seems to have been c- convinced that 2109 was a time traveler, and that not only that, but that 2109 delivered the light box to Thomas and monitored and even sometimes altered the messages between Ken and Thomas for some unknown, you know, reason that 2109 has. He said that 2109 knew personal things about Gary that nobody could ever possibly know and convinced him they're real, that 2109 is real. He said 2109 says that a person will come along to help and that Ken will know who that person is. So Ken was convinced that 2109 gave Gary information about the future. And I got to say, I kind of believe it. After going through all these different, you know, really weird rabbit holes, Gary is still very, well, not still, up until like 2020 was very, very responsive to a forum all about the Doddleston messages. And I kind of agree with Ken that that Gary seems to have some information about the future, but doesn't seem to want to share it. I'm hoping that I can get, Gary to share it, but I don't want to jump ahead to that point just yet. So here is the final 2109 message to Ken. There is another person to come. They will be the help we need. You will know, you'll know them when they come. Thomas did eventually write his book and soon died shortly after. He placed it in a secure place. It shouldn't take too many years to find it. Though he wrote it in Latin with the help of a friend that he met in Oxford, the inscription reads, Me writes this in the hope that mine mine fellows will one day find this book. Then Then may our lands, oh, then may our lands be not so distant. Then may our lands be not so distant. Like I said, you gotta remember, I'm trying to read this the way he wrote it, and it's all misspelled. Like writes is W R Y T S, our is O W E R, but basically saying, Hey, he writes this book in the hope that my my fellows will one day find this book. Then may our lands be not so distant. That's the final 2109 message to Ken. Again, over 18 months, hundreds of messages. That's the end of it. Now, I can I will say that you can read all about this. It's in a book. It's called The Vertical Plane. I think it's in the, the second or third printing. You can find it on Amazon. Let me warn you now, it's like 350 pages. It's a wacky read. And uh, if you read it, then you go to these forums. You can find them very easily if you just kind of search Doddleston, Doddleston messages. Um, it's they, There's followers. There's also like a Facebook uh, page of all about the Doddleston messages. These people are really into it. And they all speak in this kind of weird verbiage on on the forums on the facebook pages 
It's bizarre, but they seem to be harmless and they seem to be very interested in trying to decode stuff. Not only decode stuff in the messages between Thomas and Ken and 2109 and all of everybody, not only that, but in the book itself. They seem to think there's a lot of like, you know, like Da Vinci Code kind of secret messages in the book itself. So if you do read this book, keep that in mind that there's supposedly a secret code. And Gary seems very interested in will people figure out this secret code? He's big into numerology as well. Um, the book is not written by someone that's a writer. It's not exactly smooth reading. The follows, followers of this story are seriously like kind of diehard, like um, armchair detectives. They take you down some seriously in-depth rabbit holes. Um, it's, it's bizarre. It's very interesting. And as for Gary Rowe, he kept up in the chat uh, about the book on that line in that forums um, and was asked about it. He was asked in 2017. He said how, how someone could contact 2109 if they wanted to keep the correspondence going. This was Gary's response. First, you should determine why you'd want to contact them. If it's to seek information from them, forget it. I believe they've left as much, as much information as they're willing to reveal at the present time. They are not to be played with. They are not a correspondence school. You don't contact them. They contact you. Perhaps if you consider why they picked me, you might discover how you could make yourself available should they wish to contact you. But know this. You must be a man of your word. They would have no difficulty in making you understand what they're saying they can make the difficult easy to comprehend. Interesting. Hey, look, 2109, if you're listening, I'm a man of my word. I'm very interested in the paranormal and the scientific explaining, science explaining the paranormal. Love time travel stuff. Gary also wrote in that, that forum some really cool stuff saying, I believe they can make communication possible anywhere of their choosing, and it would seem through any kind of media. If they choose to contact you, they will. You won't need any special equipment because a lot of people think you need this freaking old-ass computer. He's like, no, you won't need any special equipment. You could, of course, request to be contacted, but I would not recommend it. It would come at a price. Now, Gary's also said this online, which I thought was very interesting. He seems like a very cool guy. I had the opportunity to investigate these happenings firsthand. No, I'm not some away with the fairies wishful believer. Like me, he's a, he's a skeptical believer. I investigated with professional detachment, not bothered with what I could find, fake or fact. I left no stone unturned and used cutting-edge science to get to the truth. In fact, I believe it was the first computer-controlled psychic investigation recorded in the world. I don't care two hoots if nobody ever believes it. I know it really happened. It changed my life forever it's going to change yours. The book should and will one day be ISBN recoded under the history section. It is a monumental historical marker in the ribbon of time. I tell you, man, I dig the way that Gary talks. Now, whatever Gary was told, he's not going to just give it to us, me, you, whoever. But like I said, he likes to leave clues. And up to 2020, he was on those forums kind of playing like a hotter, colder game with clues that people question him about. Now, 
if you've heard this story a billion times, you haven't heard this part of the story. Because I reached out to Gary. He's very easy to reach out to. He's on Facebook. He's on uh, on the on the forums. He leaves his address. I kind of just said, hey, you know, I, I was very short and sweet. I said, I do a podcast called Paranormal Almanac. I would love to talk to you. Thank you, Kurt. And then I left him a little something just for him. And I got a response back. I said, Kurt, I'd be pleased to talk with you, although I'm normally a very busy person and time is my most treasured possession. Gary, 100% get it. Me too. He says, I trust you understand that there will be some questions I'm not at liberty to answer. Otherwise, please feel free. I prefer emails. That way I can fit it in between my investigations. Dig this guy already. Please tell me a little bit about yourself. How old are you? What makes you interested in things paranormal? Have you had any paranormal experiences yourself? I have some astonishing cases I'm still involved in, some ongoing cases, and then something personal for me. Um, again, I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to push it with Gary, and I don't want to. There was some stuff that I left. There's one thing that I left for Gary. He asked me about it. I responded. I asked him a bunch of questions, and my hope is that I will. I will hear back from Gary. I really hope that he responds when he can. Um, I think that he's legit. I really do. I think he's a skeptical believer that got looped into this by 2109. Now, some people out there think, oh, it was Gary the whole time. Why did Gary get called in? Okay, explain that to me, skeptics. How did Gary do this? Again, this computer isn't connected to anything. Are you telling me that Gary just randomly picked some weird cottage house not close to his house and was like, screw it. They all go to the pub every day. I'm going to break in just in case they've got a computer and I'm going to leave them a weird message from the 1500s. Moo-ha-ha. No, that's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think Gary was responsible for this. There's a lot of people that think that Debbie was responsible because she was left alone with the computer sometimes. Maybe. I'll put a maybe under that one. I don't think really that's the case, but maybe. But... Explain how those answers came, uh, you know, the, how the, the Paranormal Society guys were able to ask questions and get answers that were relevant enough to what they wrote. I, it doesn't sound like they told her anything or them anything about the questions. They said they wanted it to be, you know, uh, they didn't want them to know anything about the questions. So how would they know there were 10 questions? How would they get 10 question, 10 answers that were bizarre enough but still answered what they said? Makes no sense to me. Also, you know, like I got so many questions, like besides the whole, like, why did 2109 seemingly do this? But how about what the hell about those six toed footprints? Remember those? Are you telling me that Thomas had six toes or was it 2109? They said they had no form. What, what was the deal with the six toed footprints? Why? It's 1985. I get there wouldn't be a lot of photos or, or evidence, but they said that there was chalk writing under the rugs. What did the chalk writing say? Maybe it's in the book. I haven't finished the book. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I've not finished the book. I, can have, I don't have a lot of time. Look, like Gary said, time is very precious to me. But I'm going to finish the book, and if I get more answers, I'll let you know. But what the hell, man? Like, that's the best question for this episode. Just what the hell? This seemingly seems like it was real. There were things that were said about the 1500s that weren't known in 1985, even though Ken went to a college, it doesn't seem like it was well known. Ken's friend himself said there was no way Ken could know some of this stuff. The verbiage was correct. The those and thous and these and those were all done correctly. Debbie nor Ken, nor Nick for that matter, 
um, had this kind of knowledge. So it wasn't like, you know, like, oh, well, Debbie was, you know, pr- you know, she studied 15th century language and just happened to talk to somebody from 15th century. No, no. By all intents and purposes, it seems like that is not the case. Now, I can see why Shade is kind of thrown at Debbie because, again, she's left alone with the computer, in my opinion, a little way too often. Sometimes she would get home from the pub first and be like, oh, look, there's a message. Okay. Interesting. I can see why people are kind of leaning towards Debbie. I, I emailed her. I still haven't heard back from her, but I don't know. Like I said, this is one of these kinds of stories where I can't prove it, but I can't disprove it. And the shit that 2109 was saying is just weird enough to be not the normal thing. Like if you think about it in 1985, if you were to say, I want to talk about time travel stuff, you'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, What do I know about time travel? Uh, There's Star Trek. They did a time travel thing. Back to the future is really popular. I can do that. No, they didn't do any of the typical stuff. They went like X-Files time travel, like, you know, like fringe time travel, like alternate dimensions time travel. Not stuff that was, I mean, there was a ton of of sci-fi books. I was reading them all. I was, you know, in 1985, but I was alive. I was reading those. But there's nothing like obvious about what they were saying that makes me go, oh, I get it. So they read uh, this book by Isaac Asimov and they were just spouting this nonsense. You know, there's nothing obvious that jumps out at me. But if you have something that you're like, oh, I know why they picked 2109. Oh, I know why they did this. You know, obviously let me know. And, and going down that road, like I said, Gary seems to be very into, into numerology. And I like that about him. But there's supposedly a code. Now, a lot of people are like, well, if you put 2109 together with all these weird numbers in this chapter and this chapter's mismarked, and if you put this here, like Da Vinci Code shit, that it'll give you a, you know, a, a QR code or a website, you know. But I haven't seen anything that in those in those forums or in those chats that make me go, yes, this person is onto something. There is a larger thing that, that'll help us. And, you know, where's the book? If Thomas did write a book, Thomas was real, and he wrote a book, and then died shortly after, was the book turned over to the church? Because that was that's a very big possibility. And if that's the case, it's probably in the Vatican Library. We'll never see it again. Or did he hide it somewhere, thinking, like, all right, I can hide it in a place where I know that Ken will get to it. And if so, hopefully somebody, one of these thousands of armchair detectives, has actually gone to the cottage, because they know where the cottage is, and, and search the cottage, because that would be my first thing. I would dig up, I would metal detect and dig up under and all around that cottage. I don't care who lives there. I would do that in a heartbeat. Hopefully that's been done. If it's not, and you people are listening, go do it. Somewhere close, someone close to there, go, someone in Doddleston, go there with the metal detector. Say, hey, can I just metal detect if I find anything, you can have it, unless it's a book, in which case, you know, we can share the, the royalties or whatever. But there seems to be more to this story. And there seems to be a way to prove it. And it seems that Thomas knew enough about where Ken was living and working and everything like that and and gave hints about where we should be able to find stuff. If this truly is a Da Vinci Code, it shouldn't be that hard from 1985 to 2022 to find some proof or evidence or the book or anything, really. So I leave it up to you, listeners and armchair detectives, and Gary, and 2109, um, 
Let's find the answers. I think it'd be very cool if there was a follow-up and there was some proof that was found. And 2109, if you want to reach out to me, Gary says not to. Gary says there's there's a price to pay. But, uh, you know, what's the price? Let me know. Just answer me that. Riddle me that, 2109. I don't need any special equipment. You can contact me through all kinds of media. I'm fairly easy to contact. Contact me. I, I, why I want you to contact me? Hey, I can tell you exactly why, because that's what Gary said. First, you should determine why you want to contact them. Because I think science will explain the paranormal. I would like to think that I could be a part of this story or assist in this story or project or experiment, however you want to word it. I think it would be interesting to continue this experiment. That's why I want you to contact me. I don't necessarily need you to give me the lotto numbers. I won't say no. Uh, you can't. You don't necessarily have to tell me too much about the future. I won't say no. But, uh, yeah, 2109, if you're listening, I'm right here. I've got a, a, a fairly good-sized audience, Top 100 Podcast. If you want to get some words out or some codes out or messages out, let's do this. I'm all about it. All right, what did you guys think? Did you guys know about this story? Why isn't this a bigger story? Who or what is 2109? I got so many questions. What the hell? It's interesting. I dig it. I hope you guys like this one quite a bit. I like doing this one. Um, if, if you have more information about this story that I didn't say, please let me know. I'd like to do follow-ups on this episode. I think this would be a good episode to do some follow-ups about. There's enough in here. And I'm going to read the book in in a, you know, finish reading the book in a more Da Vinci Code kind of way. Um, but once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samigan. This has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Do Ashna, Zrilvash Master Vita Binero, Semas Girl, Nan, no, no, we know Steam Amic.